Welcome to Moonshooting, a podcast about using your power to achieve your dream, reconnecting to your passion, and the money to get you there. In Moonshooting, your dream is not about what you create or what you achieve. It's about you. You are the brand. You are the dream. You are the moonshot. What does everybody want? Power. In their relationships, in their social circles, in business, and over their creations, and in their life. You are somewhere on the spectrum of being either powerless or powerful. In these five episodes, we will focus on the power of you and how you use it to either build a powerful or powerless life, no matter what path you're on. In this episode, we make the assertion, Powerful people are owners. They are not owned. The most powerful create a system of value that measures reward for the risks they take, for the things they build and what they own. The first thing they own and are maniacally protective of is their brand, not the brand of others. All right. Well, after that intro, we are back and going to jump right into the episode into the mind of Maud. Yeah. So what we're talking about in this episode really is about your power as the CEO of you. We've been talking about that a lot. Yeah. And whether you are a brand, this episode is about ownership. Mm. Who owns your brand? Who owns you? And what do I mean by ownership? Now, there is a common myth when they talk about CEOs, particularly CEOs of public companies. They're like, oh, the CEO makes so much money and they're like the owner of that company. Yeah. And like, you know, oh, they just they pay themselves more every year and they just take away from the people at the bottom just so they can have their yacht or something like that. Right. And the challenge with that is, which is funny, is because they're not the brand. They don't own the brand. They're there just to make money for shareholders, ultimately to make money for themselves. Sorry. That's not what we're talking about. There are some owners of big brands like a Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk, where they have much more power and they own the brand, they are the brand, mm-hmm. right? Not talking about those people, okay. right? So classic CEO, when I talk about CEO stuff, people are going to be like, oh, we hate CEOs, blah, blah, blah. Why do I want to be a CEO? No, no, you want to be the owner of a brand, the CEO of you, which means no one can tell you what to do. You're building your brand. And what do you own? And when we talk about that, a lot of people that get to be your generation, particularly you and like when you're in your 30s and you're working for somebody else, working for somebody else's brand, you're like, I have to own something. And so what's the first thing that they want to own? House? Yes. <laughs> right. So like- Especially in your 30s, I feel like that's- Right. Yeah. I want to own something. I need to own. I want to own a house. Yeah. Well, the bank owns your house, right? So you don't only really own a house, right? And then you need to think of your house as an investment. And over time, yes, you can make a lot of money on a house, but it's also keeps you from doing things maybe you want, you don't, you want to do. So when I think of ownership, I think of ownership in a different way. And so we're going to wrap this segment up by quickly talking about what do I mean by owning? Yeah. How do you know whether you own your own brand if you haven't started a company yet? And the easiest way is how many hours do you spend on somebody else's brand? working for somebody else and on their brand. How many hours do you spend creating your passion or doing your passion thing and building your own brand? Mm -hmm. And then 
how many hours do you are you creating value for your own brand? Right, which so we kind of talked about in the last uh, a few episodes ago. Right, right. Yeah. So the whole thing goes around from a quantifiable because we've been doing a lot of stuff that is kind of woo woo, and we want to get down to quantifiable. Mm-hmm. So if you looked at your week, how many hours are you spending somebody else's brand? Right, and yeah. and do you control your brand? Do you own your brand? Particularly and most importantly, when your brand is you. So I want to transition into Kespi's world and talk about a couple of examples of CEOs who are the brand and how they diverged in the ownership of their brands and how it turned out really well for one, didn't turn out so well for another. Okay, cool. Are you interested? I'm very interested. Okay. So you're the one that brought me, hey, you should look at Rihanna. Yes. Which is really interesting, right? Because- she made a lot of money on singing, but really, her brand, I forget what her brand is. Uh, she has Fenty and uh, Savage X. So remember how I talk about going from service to product to platform. So she provided a service when she's singing songs. Mm-hmm. She became the product when she became valuable. Now she wants to own something. Yeah. Now, whether that she owns the rights to her songs and all that, you can make a lot of money singing. But really, where she's probably most of her net worth, most of her value is in Fenty. So she took all of her users and all the people that followed her and all the people that she created her brand around and built a brand around that, which is a platform. Yeah. So the Rihanna platform has turned into Fenty and other things. Yes. So Rihanna really is the platform mm-hmm. and it's a multi-billion dollar brand, right? Yeah. She didn't give so- that away to anybody else. It's hers. I don't know. She must. She probably funded it herself. Even if she's got investors in it, I guarantee you she's controlling that brand. Mm-hmm. She's the owner of that brand. Yeah. So she, her net worth, which is what we're talking about, is your net worth really in who you are? And we're going to be getting into some really interesting stuff in episodes 11 through 15 around you and your brand and me and my brand and how to quantify that. But we're not going to do that right now. Okay. Because that's a much, I want you to first be thinking about, whoa, you mean I have a value? Like you have a value. Fenty is value, but Rihanna is the value. Rihanna as a corporation, Rihanna as a brand, Rihanna as a platform. Right. But the, I bet you the highest value of that is within the Fenty brand. Like part of her valuation is the Fenty. But Fenty really is under the Rihanna platform. Right. Right. So this is all around controlling your brand, building your brand, being a platform. That's the end game. That's the moon shooting. Yeah. Your platform. That's a sort of a Silicon Valley thing. Platform. Right. People That's- are following her. And they're going to buy Fenty. If Fenty was a crappy product, they wouldn't buy it. I'm sorry. Because mm-hmm. it would go away. Yeah. So she really has to develop a product that people want over time, right? And keep increasing their value, right? The second one where this didn't go so well, and again, not no judgment on this, was Jessica Alba. Mm. So Jessica Alba created The Honest Company, which was a brand based upon her experience as a child. She went down the investor route. She went down venture capital route. She actually got her money from the VC, the venture capital firm that I worked for, for five to seven years and had some of my best experience with. So the experience that she had with that created the Honest Company in that, got funded and actually grew that to multi-billion dollar brand. That sounds great, right? Right. VCs though kind of own her brand and we'll talk about later about that, about how you don't let somebody own your brand, but it worked out 
for her for a while until they needed to have an exit. They needed to pay their shareholders off and their limited partners off. And so they, so at first, I think they tried to sell it. I don't think that went so well just because I think something happened where her notion of the honest company was we don't put any chemicals in and they found that some of the products had some chemicals in. Oh, they did? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so the whole brand got, had some valuation issues around that. And I don't know the whole timing of this, but then she decided to take it public. Okay. Right. So going public means that you are basically selling it to the public. And now the public has interest in it. And so A, you sell to the VCs, you lose control over it, but they work with her to make sure that it was what she thought it was, right? But then when you get into the public offering, she lost total control over brand because she doesn't own it anymore. She owns a piece of it. She still maybe the, has titles, but now she has to play a different game. That's not a brand building game anymore. That's a revenue game. That's a different game. So her company went from being worth $2 billion in the private market to, and then when it went public, I think it was a billion to $2 billion to now it's only worth like a hundred million dollars. Oh. And that's like a loss of a couple billion dollars. Right. And that's really bad. Wow. That's a loss of money for her. I'm sure she made a lot of money, but she's not really. Right. And now she has to go back and do other things. And doesn't have that creative control. Doesn't. And the, like the reason why she started it in the first place. Right. Yeah. And maybe she made a mistake by having the chemicals in it. Maybe she missed something. Again, people will forgive you when you have control over it, but then when you lose control over it and you're still trying to sell against a Procter Gamble and do other things like that, then you don't have control over it, then you you lost control of your brand. And when your brand is you, you lost control over you. Right. Right. And so those are two different things where we say you really need to keep ownership of you. Cool. Right. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So then that'll transition us into the next segment which is, that was Kespi's world where we do a couple examples of that and you get those examples right away. Yeah. We transition that into law and disorder. Yes. Law and disorder, which is which I, which I love because I, my daughter loves law and order and I think law and disorder is cool. Right? It's great. Right. Yeah. So, so, and you like this part too, when I mentioned it before, is that 80% of the value in anything is this perception. 20% is reality, right? Yeah. And let me caveat that by saying 80% of, like really 80% is perception in anything, but really it's really dramatic when you think about something that's discounted or something that has a premium. Right. Right. So the notion of her stock had a premium, Jessica Alba's when it went public, and a lot of that premium was on the perception that she was doing something great. The perception that it was a brand that people wanted. Wait, what do you mean by premium? That's okay. You're getting me there. So, what do you mean by premium and discount? Then, yeah. So, those are terms that we you, they use in the stock market. So, when somebody thinks about a premium or a discount, somebody thinks about the value, the the, the an average value of what something would be based upon its tangible assets, like how much revenue it's making, how much profit it's making. Or what we think of as, hey, what would be a reasonable value for that thing? Okay. Whatever it is. And again, that there's a lot of leeway around that. When I think of Jessica Alba's company and the revenue she made, it was probably reasonably valued at probably 
$600 million to a billion dollars. That would have been a reasonable valuation based upon its growth and things like that. She got a huge premium on it, $2 billion, when it went public because there was a lot of hype around it. It was really interesting. But then when those things started going away, when she couldn't keep up with their revenue because she was competing on revenue, and then when the perception of what she's offering is no more than other corporations, then she's at a discount now. She's at a huge discount. So kind of like the stock price changes. Yeah, right. And when you think of discount or premium, you'll think of somebody that you think is highly valued and go, man, like Rian, she's got a huge premium and the perception is huge. Like the Kardashians, they have a huge premium, huge following. So kind of like they're hot right now. Like they're, 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 they're valuable. They're tight. Right. And that's kind of premium. Right. Yeah. And, and premium in a valuation or premium of a value is the notion of people are talking about it in a positive way. Let's say that. A discount is they're talking about it negative or they're not buying it. Okay. Like that. So if somebody okay. is buying the stock, it's got a premium if, if there's not enough to go around. Mm-hmm. If you go to the store at Christmas time and you can't get that one t- toy, that toy has a premium. Mm-hmm. You literally can get that two weeks after Christmas in mass quantity, but you have to have it that day for your kid. Right. Because that's the thing they want. That's a premium. You're going to pay more for it. Like kind of like Jingle All the Way with (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger. Turbo Man was at a premium. premium, right? Right. (laughs) Hopefully there's some uh, Jingle All the Way fans. Right. (laughs) Right. Such a good one. Right. (laughs) Right. So like when we think about your brand, are you as a person or your brand of who you are are you at a premium or at a discount? In your own mind? In the perception of other people. Okay. And remember when I go back to the original assertion of this, the original quote that you said, their system of value, like an Oprah or anybody who sets up a system of value when they start owning their own brand and building their own platform or their own brand, or even, even at work, you have to ignore the negative or the overly positive or the negative when you're building your brand, because you don't want to listen to the hype and become the hype, and then you're going to be discounted because you're going to get knocked off of creating the thing that you want to create, right? So when you what you asked me this question when we first went into this about what you read about yeah. that initial statement of setting up the value of you, they create the value of you. It's almost like an algorithm. They care about their brand. Like Jessica Alba, she knew she had to take capital to build a brand that she probably couldn't have built without the capital. But at some point, by taking capital, she lost control over that brand. Right. Right. And there was a period there where if I was advisory, I would have said, hey, you should sell this early when it's at its hype into somebody that cares about your brand and maybe not take the whole hype that you had and take part of that and let somebody else continue it. Right. Because mm-hmm. that, that actually had the same value prop that you had, the same passion, the same interest in building something that was cool. Right. Like a whole food or something, whatever, who has the same kind of like we're trying to build things, Trader Joe's. We're trying to build something that, you know, has at least trying to get organic or trying to be, you know, things that can help your body versus just processed stuff or things that have chemicals in it, right? Right. They're trying to, like. So anyhow, so when you think about the stock market of you, which I like, I kind of think of the notion of premium. So I have a couple of good examples around that. Okay. When we're talking about our moon shooting. Right. So I have a couple of examples around you as a stock and what the stock market means from a premium to a discount. Well, that is so interesting because I've never really thought about 
viewing myself as a stock or kind of making those connections. And I know we talked about Rihanna and Jessica Alba, but how then does it apply to me or other people kind of out here pursuing that don't have this big platform yet or don't have these, you know, massive industries? How does it apply to us just kind of on the ground trying to make things happen? Well, in the stock market, let's let's talk about you as a stock. Okay. Right. Let's talk about if you had a brand and the brand was you, mm-hmm. even if you call it something else, it's still Kespi, Crispin Espinosa, her, she has got a platform and people know it's you and they follow you and you're selling them something, mm-hmm. right? Whatever it is, right? You have to value that, whether it's privately valued or publicly valued, think of it as a stock. Okay. Right. So me or whatever I create. Right. Let's go back to you. And just and assume the thing you create is an extension of you. Just like with Rihanna, we're assuming Fenty's an extension of her. Honest Company was an extension of Jessica Alba. Yeah. yeah. Where she kind of lost that because it wasn't an extension anymore because she didn't control it. Ah. Uh-huh. Because her stock was owned by other people. Okay. In Fenty, Rihanna owns her stock. Mm-hmm. We assume. Yeah. And then she can have control over that. Like the Kardashians aren't owned by anybody. They own their stock. Their mythical stock, whether they have stock or not. But I'm sure they probably have some kind of corporate protection, right? Yeah. So anyhow, let's think of you, Kespi, as a stock. Let's talk about how you would value a stock. So when I'm talking about the company, Jessica Alba's worth $150 million, but it was worth $2 billion, they call that a market cap. You take the price times the number of shares outstanding. In Rihanna's thing, it's just like what people think she's worth, right? She's worth $2 billion or $3 billion, and they just give it a value, right? And there's some reasonable around that. She sells so much of her product, and that, but then the big part of her value isn't actually her. Right. Right. And that's what you really want. You want most of it to be perception and most of it to be about you and most of it to be high. So when you think about, we talked about discount and premium, and then there's this other thing called ridiculous premium. Okay. So ridiculous premium, it's like, whoa. It's like really big, really hyped. It's really high. And you see these people that have huge premiums on them, movies that are out that are super hyped up. Like Barbie. Like Bar- <laughs> Barbie's got a huge premium on it. It's got a ridiculous premium on it. Everywhere. It's a billion dollar franchise right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even before it's like dropped a dime. Right? Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. We, You want you to be that, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so of course. the drivers of you are going to be, right, your expertise, how much hype you have around that expertise or that superpower or whatever you have to offer, right? And your market, how many people are talking about you. Okay. So I have a couple of examples beyond like a public company. So let's say my funnest example, which may be difficult for people, is like Tesla versus Ford. Mm-hmm. Where Ford is a discount, which stock is kind of low. Its valuation is like, I don't know, $300 million, $500 million, whatever. But they have almost the same amount of revenue as they do, which is the reality of it. Their profit and their revenue is really high. And it should be worth more, but they're seen as an old car company. Right. So no one cares. Tesla, which has less revenue, less profit, is like worth 20 times more. They're almost like a trillion dollar company. Oh, and so they have a ridiculous premium around the fact that they're new, they're hot, they're saving the world. Even with Elon Musk's, you know, Twitter purchase and his bad, 
you know, perception by the public that buys his car, the, the stock value is high. The revenue is going up great, but not as much. It, it, it's never like if they, if they sold, if everybody bought their car, it still shouldn't be worth what it is. Right. Like it's insane. Right? And that's the notion of perception. I talk about currency the same way, like a dollar bill, a $10 bill and a hundred dollar bill, same piece of paper, but different valuations. And if you took that dollar bill or that $10 bill or that hundred dollar bill, depending upon where you bought something and what you bought, you're going to get totally different things. So no, a dollar bill is not the same everywhere. $10 bill is different. $100 bill is different. It's perception, right? Ooh, so this is kind of what you mean by that. 80% of anything is perception. So like, you, like that's a perfect example, the Tesla versus Ford. I had no idea about that, that like they're both, Ford is even more profitable, but valued lower. Like crazy low. It's at a discount. Yeah, just because of perception. Perception. That's right? literally it's an old car company. Wow. It's got a lot of debt, blah, blah, blah. And the funniest thing about Ford is it probably has more what they call intellectual property than Tesla does. It has a lot of really cool technologies and stuff, but it can't shake that perception. Right. That's right. why people like in Hollywood, they change the names of the company. Like you're always trying to redo your brand and change the perception, the value, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> kind of reminds me of this show, American Auto, I think is loosely based on Ford. Yes. Um, I, the, thought, I started watching that show. Oh, awesome. It's kind of funny, right? Yeah. A little ridiculous, but it was funny. It's, it, it's it, super, you know, yeah, yeah, they go there. They go right, to the right. far, you know, worst case scenarios, but. Right, right. Big Ford's thing. playing a different game. They're playing the reality game. Tesla's playing the perception game. Right. If you want to win in anything, you got to play the perception game until perception becomes a cop. You don't want to be conning people and selling futures and selling shit that you can't produce. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Tesla has great cars. People love those cars, right? Yeah. For fantastic cars. And they have electric. They have the same, but they're just not Tesla. Like, yeah. They're not deceived. And maybe they're not as good. Who knows? But the, the change is so much different. So when we talk about you, like we say, where are you with your expertise? Where are you with your hype? Where are you with your market cap? How many people know about you? Right. Right? So when I look at you, I would say, are you at a discount to your real value? Are you at a premium to your real value? Or are you at a ridiculous premium to your real value? Ooh. I don't know. What, what am I? You're a discount. Oh, darn. Yeah. <laughs> Sucks, huh? Yeah. Your discount, A, because no one knows you yet and you don't have a lot of hype around you yet, mm -hmm. right? And your expertise is you're doing things, 80% of what you're doing for me right now is sort of anybody else could do. The 20% of maybe 20%, the 20% of the rule, the superpower is where you're going to create most of your value. And this is where you've got to spend most of your hours. And this is where you got to spend most of your time. Remember what we were talking about during the week? Most of your hours right now are spending on this podcast, which is kind of item. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and you're in that transition, that freedom transition where you're trying to sustain outside of having a job, building your own brand. Mm -hmm. So in the next five episodes, not like the next is going to be 10, which is going to be interesting because it's about house cleaning and getting rid of toxic people. But in the five after that, which we're going to do a little bit later, we're really going to focus on 
what is the number of like what would I value you at like in the dollar terms? Right. Five hundred thousand, a hundred thousand, a million. Ooh. And where's your where right now is where are you losing money and passion and freedom? Where are you losing money? And then how do you get to that next step? And then where is the end gate? Where's your moon shooting? Your moon shooting is when you're worth a billion dollars or a hundred million dollars or ten million, or whatever you think that's where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Your braided, your superpower, your value. How do we get you there? Okay. Right. And I'm an expert in this because I, what I'm really good at is taking something from nothing and manifesting. And that's the definition of moon shooting, creating something from nothing. Yeah. And I've helped companies raise hundreds of millions of dollars, millions of dollars, or like really probably the max is probably 75 million, but a lot of money on an idea or something that really hadn't had a lot of traction yet. Right. Or like, you know, in Shrek Tank when they're like, okay, what's your data or right. your sales? Right, right. Yeah. Right. So before that, you can get fund like Jessica Alba had no no sales before she got money from Lightspeed, which was a great venture capital firm, which is the one I worked for. And for their firm, I helped raise capital around a phenomenal team and phenomenal product, but it was all future sales. Selling the future of what this market could be. Right. Selling, selling the future of the hype of where it could go, right? And so we are going to do that with you because we need to create hype for the Ventureverse, which is what I'm building. And we haven't even defined what you're building yet right? and what the name of it is and the brand of it is. But we have to do the brand of Mark first and the brand of Kespi first. I've had a lot of time to do my brand, but I'm at a discount too because not a lot of people know about me. The only people we know about me are small segment of people in Washington, D.C. and on the East Coast and a small segment of people in Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley who are aging right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> They're probably going to retire. So right. <laughs> My moonshot is to have the Ventureverse, which is really a place where you can take something and create something out of nothing in a way that is like venture capital, but where entrepreneurs Creators can build a creator economy without doing what Jessica Alba did and giving up. Right. Be more like Rihanna. So the Ventureverse is how do we create a bunch of Rihannas, right? Amazing. And how do we let people work with Rihanna? Right. And how do people invest in Rihanna without disrupting her ability to create? And without her having to give up all of her ownership. 100%. Yeah. So you and I are both at a discount now, so don't feel bad about that. Okay. I won't feel too bad. In the five episodes, we'll value, we'll show you how to create more value. Doing less. Awesome. So the next episode really is going to close up this five episodes and it's really going to be powerful around, and this is like something that keeps coming up and keeps coming up. It's the notion of spring cleaning your relationships. It's the notion of pruning your tree, cutting off that which doesn't work because you can't get to your brand and you can't get to increasing the value of your brand and, and living your best life. And doing your moonshot, creating something from nothing by manifesting it. Right. So we're going to do a thing about spring cleaning, about how you get rid of toxic relationships first, and then how you get rid of any relationships that really are like baggage. Right. That are keeping you from where they're going, even if they're great people, even if they're not doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. How you get rid of that and how you can move to the next level. And the only way you could rise is by eliminating that.
Well, great. I can't wait for that. And I hope you guys are excited, too. And for our classic sign-off, this has been Kristen Espinosa. Mark Modica. And this is Moonshooting Mission Control signing off. Signing off.